and welcome to our show, Let's Finish Cancer, where we bring you the brightest cancer experts and compassionate cancer navigators. Our goal is to make you stronger at a time you might feel at your weakest and to empower you to make the best decisions for you and your family. You'll hear about the latest in technology and treatment options, stories of our patients and our survivors, doctors that see you as more than a cancer diagnosis, and a whole person approach to cancer care. We want to be on your journey with you, and we know that at times it can be bumpy, but we're here for you and we want to help you forward. I'm your host, Mary Renoff, and here with me today is Dr. Melanie Goldfarb, a fellowship-trained endocrine surgeon and oncologist who specializes in minimal access surgery for thyroid, parathyroid, and adrenal tumors, and is also one of the first physicians on the West Coast to offer radiofrequency ablation for thyroid nodules. Today, she's joining us to discuss the thyroid nodules, thyroid cancer, and the different treatments available. Before we start, I want our listeners to know that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. So let's get started by welcoming Dr. Goldfarb. Well, Dr. G, I like to give everybody an easy start, and that is to just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role with Providence. Thanks so much, Mary. So my name's Melanie Goldfarb, and I am an endocrine surgeon. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it means that I am a general surgeon that also did a fellowship in endocrine surgery, where I specialize in tumors of the thyroid, parathyroid, and adrenal glands. And at Providence St. John's, I'm the director of the Center for Endocrine Tumors and Disorders. That's exciting. I like that you kind of started us with the basics, which is super helpful, but I do think that a lot of people get confused about what the thyroid does, right? Like we've heard a lot of different things, but tell us what the thyroid's main function is. Sure. So the thyroid is um, an important organ of your body that produces your thyroid hormone. And what thyroid hormone does is it helps regulate things like your metabolism, your temperature, your heart, your neurocognitive. So it really affects almost all areas of your body in some fashion, which means if you um, have abnormalities in your thyroid, you're going to usually feel it in some way. I think I hear that a lot when people say, oh, I can't figure out why I'm cold all the time or why my hair is falling out. And they always, you always hear that. Have you checked your thyroid? So I'm going to ask you, how does one check their thyroid? Really easy question, Mary. So you check your thyroid by doing labs. So it's a really easy blood test called your TSH. And in general, and I'm not going to say 100% of the time, but in general, if that number is within the normal limits, your thyroid is working well. Now, there obviously are some nuances to that, but that's for 98% of us all we need to know. Well, this is super helpful, but we are talking about cancer. So I do want to talk a little bit about how we know we have thyroid cancer. So thyroid cancer is actually something that rarely produces any symptoms. And I know that sounds really scary, um, but with that, thyroid cancer is a very slow growing disease compared to a lot of other cancers. So it's okay if we I'm going to say catch it when we catch it. Um, Sometimes you will have a lump in your neck, and that's generally the only symptom you may have if it's gotten big enough. Um, But other than that, your thyroid is still producing its normal hormones. The cancer doesn't affect the hormones, so you don't get any symptoms from it. So 
would you, th I wouldn't know then that I had it probably unless I came into you and was experiencing those symptoms and you said, oh, it could be your thyroid. I'm, I'm thinking I go to my primary care physician, they check my thyroid. And then how do I get to you? How do I get from my primary care to you? Exactly. And that's a really great question. So um, most of the time, it's either because your doctor felt something, you looked in the mirror and you saw something, or many times people are getting scans for other reasons. So carotid ultrasound is a really big one, getting a lung CT or even occasionally even a chest x-ray, and they're going to pick up these incidental things on their thyroid. Some primary care physicians will just send them to people directly to me. Most of the other time, they're going to order an ultrasound of your neck and see if there's anything really there before you get to me. And so what is it that they're seeing? Is it, are we calling it a tumor? Is it a nodule? Is it, what is it that they're seeing typically? So those, some of those words are synonymous. So a uh, tumor can be either benign or malignant. So tumor is just a general term for abnormal growth. And you, so your abnormal growth can be a cancer or your abnormal growth can not be a cancer. Um, and so what they'll see on ultrasound is a nodule or a tumor, same word. Um, and based on what it looks like on ultrasound, it'll either be really suspicious for being a cancer, pretty much you know, uh, we know that it's benign or somewhere in the middle. And that's when they'll either see me um, or get sent for a biopsy. Um, but that really is usually our next step. Well, since we're talking about thyroid cancer and, you know, you you did kind of scare us, right? Like you don't typically know, it's, a, but you did say it's a slow grower. How common is it, right? And then once we hear how common it is, then talk to me about what happens once I get diagnosed. Sure. Perfect. So thyroid cancer it's not that it's super common, but there are certain age groups where it is the most common cancer. So uh, surprisingly, in the young adult age group, which means in the under 40 age group um, and not pediatric, so ages about 15 to 40, it is now the number one cancer in the United States. Um, it has now overtaken breast cancer, actually, for females in their 30s. Um, in middle-aged women, though, it is the most common age where you will get diagnosed with thyroid cancer, but it's still semi-rare. So only about 2 to 3% of people will develop it in their lifetime, as opposed to where you hear about breast cancer, where one in eight women develop it in their lifetime. I I'm, I'm a little bit lost or maybe I'm just terrified. So if it's becoming so much more common or like you were saying in these, these different age groups, these different points in your life, is it really that we're starting to see it more because it's happening more or are we starting to detect it more often? Like how does it become this prevalent? I think that um, we know some of those answers and we don't know others. So there, we are picking up more of it because we're doing screenings or imaging for other reasons. But um, there's been a bunch of studies out there that show that that is not, that doesn't explain everything. So it is, for some reason we don't know, also becoming a little bit more common. And it's not that it's super common in young adults. It's just in that age group where cancer is less common, this is the most common. So what are the, the symptoms then for it to be cancerous versus just a, a general thyroid issue? Because some thyroid issues you can just treat with medication, right? Right. So if you have a hormone problem, meaning your thyroid is working too much or working too little, then you're going to treat that with medicine. However, if you have a growth, which is that tumor, nodule, cancer, whatever, that's where medicine doesn't help. 
um, you have to either decide to leave it there or decide to remove it surgically. Um, or in the case of benign nodules, we actually have a new um, in-office procedure called radiofrequency ablation to shrink benign nodules. Ooh, we're definitely going to dig into that, but I have a few more questions before we get there. That's like going to be like the whole second half. Um, <laughs> talk to me a little bit about other risk factors. Obviously, you talked about age and you did say women, right? But is it hereditary? Is it based on race or, you know, is ethnicity at, at all a factor? Um, so there are very few risk factors for the run-of-the-mill thyroid cancer. Really, the only one is radiation. So for um, certain cancer survivors that got radiated to their thyroid area and their neck area for their other cancer treatment, that's a really big risk factor. Or if you were in Fukushima or Chernobyl or something like that, that's, that's a big risk factor, okay? But um, that's really it. There are, there's a rare type of thyroid cancer um, called medullary thyroid cancer that is hereditary. And there are some other genetic syndromes that thyroid cancer can be a part of, but those are very rare and don't really apply to most of us, um, which I know is scary because you want to say, hey, I'm this, this, and this, and therefore I'm either at high risk or low risk, but we don't have that. And I kind of want to back up to the last question too, because I don't know that I really dug into it, but if say I have a thyroid condition for hormones or whatever, am I more likely to get thyroid cancer or is it completely not related? That's a very good question that we are still studying a little bit. Um, in general, if your thyroid is overworking, um, you are less likely to have cancer in it, but you can. Um, say, Underworking thyroid or the most common, maybe you've heard the term Hashimoto's, which is what we call most underworking thyroids. There are some studies out there that say you have an increased chance of if you have nodules of those being cancers. And there are others even that say that you have a decreased chance of those nodules being cancer. So I think the jury's still out. Um, I don't think it affects it super much. And it's more maybe someday there'll be an association that we talk about. Well, before we go into how we treat it, talk to me a little bit about the survivability. Like, is does it matter how early it's detected? Does it matter if it's spread? What What are you looking for when I come in and I've been diagnosed? What's kind of that next step for whether I feel comfortable that I am going to pull through this? So this is like my favorite question because one of the things I love about my specialty is that I really get to cure most people and I really can just give them a really good prognosis. So most of thyroid cancer is very treatable and people live long, healthy lives that I tell my cancer patients in general that you have to think of yourself as a cancer patient. So you get follow-up and all the other things that cancer survivors need, but you need to live your life like you don't have cancer because it won't impact you know, how long you're going to survive. Now, obviously, there are some people out there that have more aggressive cancers um, that that's not as good of a statement for them. But even people with super um, aggressive or cancer that spread, um, they still, I would say, have better survivability than most other cancers out there. 
So I used to work in sports and anytime my athletes were challenging, I would say, look, don't give me a hard time. You play sports, you're not curing cancer. And now I feel like I have this whole new respect for for you today because you're kind of curing cancer. I mean, like you just said, people are coming to you and they have a good survivability. It does have to feel good. I mean, you're right. Like when you go into oncology, it has to be a challenging field, but you're in one that has pretty good odds. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that is one of the things I really like about my specialty is people come in, they're really freaked out. You know, uh, just the word cancer really scares a lot of people. Um, and we, and what m- cancer that I treat, um, I can really, I'm going to say do good by patients and really get them to move on with their life. Well, wow, that's exciting. Um, let's talk about treatment. So, okay, I come to you, I've got cancer, you, you've seen me, we've taken a look, you know what my, what, my, what my situation is, what are my options? So thyroid cancer is uh, really a surgical disease is what we call it. There is no chemotherapy, there is no radiation therapy, there is no immunotherapy, you really just got to get it out. Um, so you're most of the time going to have surgery, um, which includes removing either half of your thyroid or your entire thyroid. And if it's in the lymph nodes, then we'll take out the lymph nodes in that, in that area. Um, how much surgery we do depends on the features of your cancer and, you know, whether it's really small, very contained, or whether it's already spread to the lymph nodes and stuff like that. Um, these days, if you have a really small cancer and you're a little older, um, we sometimes offer you active surveillance, kind of like what they do for prostate cancer, which means we don't take it out and we just watch you with serial imaging and ultrasounds um, to make sure it doesn't grow. This might seem like a really dumb question, but don't I need my thyroid? I mean, you said you might take half of it. <laughs> and take it out. Don't I need it? Well, so what you need is your thyroid hormone. You don't need your actual thyroid in itself. So if we take out your whole thyroid, or even sometimes when we take out half your thyroid, we can replace the thyroid hormone that your body normally makes with something that's made in the lab. And I explain, because people are like, well, aren't I going to get fat? Aren't I going to lose my hair? All this stuff, you know, you hear about, and I say, no, we're going to keep you at the same level. So it's kind of like insulin for diabetics. You're not going to have side effects from insulin. You're not going to have, you know, issues with it, but you have to take it so that your body can function normally. So you don't have side effects from it and hopefully you won't skip a beat. Well, this is the most exciting part of our conversation to me because I got to read up and I got to see the videos, but you are one of the first physicians to treat thyroid nodules with the treatment called radiofrequency ablation. Talk to me about what that means. That's very exciting. Yeah. Thanks, Mary. Um, it's It was pretty cool. It took me, um, I'm going to say a long time to go through all the, um, I don't know, paperwork to be able to start this at the hospital. But um, historically, if somebody has a big nodule. So um, somebody has like a lump in their neck. You, you, Everybody has seen people that you're like, ew, what is that? Um, the only way to fix it or to make it smaller is to take it out. And um, as much as I'm a surgeon and I love to operate, you know, not everybody wants surgery and it, it doesn't make sense for everybody. So um, I'm now able to offer 
a non-surgical treatment for these big benign nodules to help improve either symptoms like swallowing or just the cosmetic aspects of having a, a big thyroid. Um, and this is not something new experimental, I'm going to say. They've been doing it in Europe and Asia for 10, 15 years. So there's a lot of great long-term data. Um, it's not a new technology. Uh, it just took a while to make it um, to the U.S. and to California. So when you say ablation, in my head, an ablation is usually either like a big scraping or a burning. Like, what does it actually mean? <laughs> so so burning is a, is a good word. Um, a I, I explain it to patients in lay terms is I'm going to cook your thyroid tumor. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to take this little, um, this little tiny probe or like a big needle, and I'm going to systematically under 3D ultrasound guidance, cook and nuke, you could say, um, this benign growth in your neck. And then when it's dead, your body is going to reabsorb a lot of it. Huh, you're going to cook it. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. Okay. So then what does that mean, right? You do the ablation. How long does the procedure take? What's the heal situation? How long till I'm back functioning? Yeah. So really great questions. Um, so the procedure itself will take anywhere from maybe 20 to 45 minutes, depending on how big your nodule is. Um, so how much, how much area I have to kill. Um, you go right home and um, you put a bunch of ice on it that day because it can get a it can get a lot of swelling um, but otherwise you can do your thing um, there's no scar there's no hole um, and slowly over the course of time the nodule is going to get smaller so you might not see the full size shrinkage for 12 months but many people already start to see the effect at one month and if not by three months so I get, I get what you're doing when we know for sure that it's cancerous, but you did mention earlier that you can have benign nodules. So what happens if it's benign? Do I need to treat it? And if I don't treat it, could it become cancerous? Awesome question. Um, so in general, a benign nodule is not going to turn into a cancer. So if we've proven that it's benign, meaning it looks benign on my ultrasound, we've stuck a needle in it, and if we've and the needle biopsy shows that it's benign, I don't have to worry that it's going to turn into cancer down the road. Okay. Whether you need to do anything about the benign nodules, many times is really up to the patient. Um, if they're not ginormous and or not giving symptoms, there is no reason that you need to do anything. And we just follow it periodically for a certain period of time. However, if you are having symptoms or if it's big enough, um, I might recommend that you do something about it. So I just want to clarify, ginormous is a medical term, yes? It's a great <laughs> medical term. It's in our medical textbook. So um, I like it. I like it. I use it often. So, um, so let's go back to the radiofrequency ablation. Talk to me a little bit about the benefits of doing this over other options that you have. I mean, you, you've kind of given me a little bit, but let's dig in just a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so this is a really great question because not there's no one-size-fits-all treatment for benign nodules. Um, and that's what I really like is you, we, I kind of talk to the patient and we figure out what's the best thing for them. And I don't have to push one thing or the other because I do both surgery and RFA and watching it. So I, I'm, I'm not going to lose. So that's why I, I think that's great. Um, so benefits of surgery. So let's say you have 
a four centimeter benign thyroid nodule. That's whatever. You can see it. You don't really like how it looks. So you can do surgery and um, it's going to be outdone. Never have to think about it again. So the nodule is going to be gone. So your lump is going to be gone. It's not going to grow back. Um, you know, very definitive, very qu quick results. Um, the downside is you have to have anesthesia to have surgery. You may have a little bit of a scar, though most people heal up really nice. Um, and you may have to take thyroid hormone afterwards because I took out half of your thyroid. On the flip side, you can do the radiofrequency where you won't have to take thyroid hormone. You definitely won't have a scar. You won't have anesthesia. But it's going to take time, maybe up to 12 months to get the full effect. And the nodule is not going to go away. So it could potentially grow back slowly over time. So it really just, um, it's, it's a weighing of your personal preferences. Well, that's really interesting because I was going to ask you, you talked about survivability, but what about like, I don't know, I guess the, if we're talking about cancer, we should use the word remission or something like, am I, did you beat my cancer and now it could come back? Cause you just mentioned that you could see another growth, right? Okay. So Let's, let's separate. So radio frequency is just for benign stuff for the most part. Whereas for cancer, I'm, we're not doing that because we don't know what it does to cancer. So we're just going to take it out. However, oh, got it. Okay. yeah, so, so split that up. But um, you're right in terms of saying thyroid cancer is an beyond excellent survivability. So the one thing we talk about with patients is what's the risk of it coming back? So for thyroid cancer, I rarely even stage patients, like you talk about stage one, two, three, four, like you do for other cancers. And we more talk about what's the risk of it recurring, um, which is a more meaningful set of information for thyroid cancer patients. So benign, we have the options. We can watch it. We can do the ablation. We could surgically remove it cancerous, we're surgically removing it. Exactly. Got it. Okay. So I know you talked a little bit about how we get it, but are there things I can do to, you know, lower my risk, right? Like when we talk about lung cancer, let's not smoke. When we talk about, you know what I mean? Like, is there anything I can do to make sure I don't get it or at least decrease my odds? Um, I wish there was a magic potion or some really um, yummy chocolate or glass of wine that we could drink to do that. Um, but um, unfortunately, no. I mean, there's all these like thyroid healthy diets out there on the internet, and but there's really no research or there's nothing that shows anything that would that would change that. I uh, that would really change our cancer risks. So this is going to come to you out of left field, but I have a couple of women in my family who have thyroid issues right now and mm -hmm. they're convinced. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying anybody's <laughs> name on air or anything. They're convinced because they did keto, right? They didn't have this problem before. They did keto. They lost a bunch of weight. Are you guys hearing anything about diet related situations or are you seeing anything like that? So I would say that for thyroid, and this is not my official area of expertise, but for thyroid hormone related problems wacky diets, um, uh, eat, taking weird supplements, including a lot of iodine. Um, and there are things like that that can make your thyroid hormones go out of whack. So they, they are not crazy. Um, I don't know if anybody's done a study specifically with keto, um, but if you have a big change and stuff like that, um, you can alter your hormones. Well, you know, you did mention women and you did mention kind of this age group. And again, I don't want to go into like kind of this existential theoretical situation or not, but 
you talk hormones, right? Then people like me instantly go to great. I was on birth control for like 20 some odd years of my life. Is there a correlation there? Have you guys seen any studies on that? Um, so people have looked at that um, because yeah, like young women, birth control, uh, it's kind of like our, our, whatever, our vitamins. Um, but no, I mean, nobody's seen anything like that. Um, you know, there are some, because it's more common in women, um, there is a lot of speculation that estrogen and certain hormones should have something to do with thyroid cancer, but there really hasn't been great studies that have shown any of that and definitely no risk from birth control. All right. Well, that's good to know. You guys heard it here. Um, I also, I don't want to sound like I'm not already very grateful for the amazing work you're doing, especially since you were like the first doctor, you know, in our area, but are there any other new innovations or treatments that are coming out for thyroid cancer or specifically for these cancerous pieces? Uh, so that's always like the most fun conversation uh, and information to share. Um, there are uh, drugs that are being uh, developed in the pipeline, not for low risk cancer, but for, you know, the really bad thyroid cancers that are really aggressive. So for those small population um, there are a bunch of drugs in the pipeline for it. Um, and probably what, I think it's still a while away, but what our goal would be is, let's say somebody has a small thyroid cancer. Can we do any tests on it to figure out which ones we can leave alone and not take out and which ones we can like that have to come out because they're going to do something bad. So I think um, we already have molecular tests that we use on when we do a biopsy to help tell us a little bit of this information, uh, but we still have a, a ways to go. So I really think that's where the field is going to go um, down the road is, hey, we can leave your cancer in there. It's not going to do anything versus we need to take it out because over time it's going to spread. Well, you know, we're, we're almost out of time, but I always like to ask people, is there anything we haven't talked about today that you think is really important or you want somebody to take away from this conversation? Uh, thanks, Mary. Uh, I would say let's do what are the takeaways um, more than other questions. So takeaways from the conversation are um, you're generally not going to have symptoms from your thyroid cancer. Um, it's okay if we pick it up when we pick it up you're going to do really well from your thyroid cancer. And if you have benign tumors or benign nodules that are bothering you, we now have another treatment that is non-surgical in the office to offer you to shrink these nodules. Is there, I mean, you did mention that you had to get like more training and you had to go through kind of hoops to get it going on here. Are there other physicians that are doing what you're doing? Is it still fairly new or is it pretty, pretty standard now? It's not standard. Um, there are other physicians uh, that are doing it and more are, you know, coming down the pipeline. Um, and it really, uh, it really just depends on your institution's setup in terms of who or when it's going to get started. Part of the challenge is it's not always covered by insurance yet. And so I think that's why it's not as rampant. And you also don't want somebody doing the procedure that doesn't really um, treat thyroid nodule and thyroid cancer patients on a regular basis, both in terms of knowing um, 
and recommending for you, is this appropriate? Is it not? Is it the best thing for you? As well as the actual technicality of doing it. Um, you want somebody who's going to do, be doing this or something like it on a regular basis. Well, you have been a fountain of information and I'm super excited to have had you on the show and I'm pretty sure I'm going to ask you to come back and we'll dig into a different topic because you are like a very easy conversation to have. But I do want to thank you, Dr. Goldfarb, for joining us today on Let's Finish Cancer. We look forward to continuing the conversation on whole person approach to cancer care with more experts from Providence in our future episodes. Make sure to listen to all of our shows on Dash Radio under the Future of Health Radio station or on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our missions, programs, and services, visit Providence.org. Thanks for listening. And remember, at Providence, we see the life in you.